for Children's Church, and it is our privilege uh, today to have uh, Brother Steve Brown with us. And uh, if you were here in Sunday school, uh, Brother Brown gave a um, great presentation of AGC and uh, very informative and um, what uh, AGC does and uh, more than just endorsement. And uh, I learned a lot, and uh, I'm so uh, thankful that uh, he's able to be here. He is the president of uh, uh, AGC and um, uh, a veteran, uh, 33 years in the military, and uh, we certainly appreciate uh, uh, his service, and we pers- certainly appreciate his service uh, uh, to the Lord. And so, uh, Brother Steve, you come and uh, preach for us this morning. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here today, and uh, I must first apologize for not being on time yesterday uh, to the fish fry, and, uh, but what a wonderful uh, fellowship and event that was. I thought to myself while I was there, here are men of God gathering together around fish and enjoying each other's fellowship, and, and I just was blessed to be a part of it, and, and I don't know how often you do that, but you ought to do it often. And uh, it, it's really, it's really a good thing. And I learned some things about your pastor at the fish fry. And uh, I learned two things. Number one, I learned that he's a good and faithful preacher of the Word of God. I learned that. Okay. Now, I suspected it, but it's nice to hear somebody say it. And then secondly, I learned that he was a good pastor. That is, he's a good shepherd which means he cares for his sheep, uh, and, and especially those who have been wounded by the wicked one. And I just want to say to you, you are blessed to have such a man. There are many churches looking for pastors today. I travel wide and far, and you are blessed to have a man who is a good and faithful preacher of the Word of God, while at the same time a wonderful and gentle shepherd who, who takes care of his sheep. And, uh, and so I just, I, just, I just give praise to God uh, for hearing that yesterday, and I wanted, to, I wanted to confirm it with you this morning before I preach. Thank you also for supporting the Associated Gospel Churches. Those of you that were in the Sunday School Hour, you know, your gifts to AGC enable and invest in the men who are proclaiming the gospel all around the world today. Uh, some of them are in combat zones. Some of them are in hazardous duty areas. Uh, some of them are in Europe involved with what's going on with Ukraine. They're not in Ukraine, but they're, they're near there. And, and I, I, just, I just thank you for your investment in our men uh, so that they may continue to, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 8. I'd like to read verses Uh, 5 through 13. Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13. I'm grateful that one of our chaplains, Don Tompkins, is in your church here today. Uh, He has been a faithful prison chaplain for almost 30 years, and uh, I'm I'm grateful uh, for his gospel ministry to those who are incarcerated. Jesus would care about them, and Don does, and I'm grateful for that investment. Matthew 8, 5 to 13. The text says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him and saying, 
Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus saith unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed the selfsame hour. The grass withers, the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. Amen. In Matthew chapter 3, our Lord was baptized by John the Baptism. And in chapter 4, he's immediately taken into the wilderness and tempted by the devil. He chooses his first disciples and begins preaching the same message as John the Baptist. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At the end of chapter 4, our Lord begins His healing ministry. And verse 23 says, Healing every sickness and disease. He also cast the demons out of those who were possessed. A huge crowd is now following the Lord, and they sit and listen as He begins teaching them in what has come to know as the Sermon on the Mount in chapters 5 through 7. Chapter 7, verse 28, records their response to his teaching. They were astonished at his teaching. Literally, they were struck by by what he had shared with them. That brings us to chapter 8 in our text today. In chapter 8, Jesus resumes his healing ministry from chapter 4. And he's going to heal a leper, a servant, and Peter's mother-in-law. Christ's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount was unique and powerful. And now by His continued miracles and signs, He will authenticate that teaching. Those miracles and signs will authenticate that He is the Son of God. And for the Jews, it will authenticate that He is their Messiah, the authentic Lord. The first three miracles in this chapter are peculiar. They're peculiar because they involve healing people the religious leaders of the day would normally have nothing to do with. A leper, a Gentile soldier's slave, and a woman. And this morning, I want us to look at that second miracle, and we see in it the authentic faith of a soldier in the authentic Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there are eight references to centurions in the Scripture. To be sure, not all centurions were good men or, or, or even honest men. But the Scriptures generally paint centurions positively. 
They are men of duty, responsibility, honor, and loyalty. And in at least three cases, they are men of faith. Two centurions have significance for us today. The first one is here in Matthew 8. I believe this is at the very beginning of Christ's ministry. It is the first Gentile reference in his ministry. Note that it is a soldier. By the way, at the end of Mark's gospel, it is a Roman centurion who looks at the cross after Jesus has died and says, truly, this man was the Son of God. The religious leaders had arrested Jesus. The disciples had abandoned him. The crowds had mocked him. The Roman centurion said, truly, this man was the Son of God. And the other centurion that has significance to us today is Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. He is the first Gentile, along with his family and friends, to enter the New Testament church. Now, I just want to say, God had a plan to include Gentiles among his people. Aren't, aren't you glad for that plan today? I, I am one, <laughs> and, and I'm glad he included me in, in that plan. There are some prophetic hints in the Old Testament about this mystery of including the Gentiles in the church. Clearly, Jesus loves Gentiles. He loves the world. But what I want you to see in this text is that Jesus loves soldiers as well. And the military is where most of our AGC chaplains faithfully labor and serve for the Lord today. So look with me at this soldier's faith. We see his authentic faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, I want you to see that his faith was unusual. Look at verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into the Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. As I said, all three of the first miracles were unusual in some way. I want, I want to submit to you that this soldier's faith was unusual. It was unusual, first of all, because of his ethnicity. He was a Gentile. The Jews do not associate with Gentiles. They don't eat with them, and they don't ever enter their homes. Uh, there used to be signs in Norfolk, Virginia, sailors and dogs keep off the grass. Well, that's the way Gentiles were viewed by the Jews in Christ's day. The average Jew in Christ's day would not be looking for faith in a man like this. So it's unusual because of his ethnicity. But secondly, it's unusual because of his employment. He is a soldier. A centurion that the Jews normally hated soldiers. They especially hated Roman soldiers. This centurion represented the authority of a pagan government they despised. They were hoping Messiah would come and deliver them from the government that this centurion represented. Luke 7, however, the parallel passage says that they loved this centurion. And they actually came on his behalf. This centurion had built them a synagogue. So this centurion, like Cornelius in Acts 10, was respected and loved by the Jews. There was something genuine about him. His faith was unusual because of his ethnicity, his employment, but really it was unusual because of his empathy. 
the Roman Empire required millions of slaves to function. Many came from conquered nations. It is estimated in this day that two out of six million living in Italy were slaves. Life was cheap. This Roman centurion cares about his servant, and I submit to you that that is very unusual. But finally, his faith was unusual because of his emissaries. The Luke passage makes it clear that it was the Jewish elders who came on behalf of the centurion to Jesus to intercede on behalf of the centurion. Wow, how strange that is. Socially, racially, politically, this event and his faith was unusual. You know, sometimes we find faith in the most unusual places, don't we? I'm reminded, uh, I shared earlier that I started a service in Afghanistan on my last deployment at 8 o'clock on Saturday night. Now, would you like to go to church at 8 o'clock on a Saturday night? I wouldn't either. But uh, there there were colonels on my general staff who worked all day on Sunday, and we were deployed for a whole year. So I knew that if I didn't find another time to start a worship service, that the colonels on my general staff would never be able to come to church for a whole year. So I learned that the, cur- that the general let the colonels loose at 7 p.m. on Saturday. So I decided to start a service at 8. I started it with 15 people. And uh, by, the, by the time the deployment was over, we were averaging 90, and it became known as Colonel's Church because many of the colonels came and heard the word of God and worshiped God. And really, it was the only taste of home they had uh, uh, over the seven days that they worked. But not only that, um, when we were singing at 8 o'clock on Saturday night, there, there, were a, there were several thousand contractors from nations all around Afghanistan and five nations in Africa. And they would hear us singing in the chapel. And before long, they would come in the chapel and sit down. And I'm going to tell you, when I got up to preach at 20 after 8, I would look out at a congregation from at least 10 different nations, uh, Marines, sailors, British, British, British troops in the congregation. I would look at, out at a congregation on Saturday night that appeared to be from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And it was at 8 o'clock on Saturday night in a Muslim nation. I, I'm telling you. We need to look for faith in unusual places. And I praise God that this centurion had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I will come and heal him. And secondly, we learn that his faith is unassuming. Verse 8, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. I'm not worthy, Lord. Twice he says it in Luke 7. But the Jewish leaders say, he is worthy. (laughs) Here is a humble man, sensitive to Jewish culture, and he felt himself personally unworthy to be in the presence of Jesus. Jesus had just preached in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit. And here is a poignant illustration of that truth in this soldier. This Gentile soldier is perhaps the first illustration of our Lord's teaching. Though implied, he doesn't even ask uh, Jesus to, uh, to heal his servant. He just presents the need. There's no hint of pride. Pride and humility are opposites. Uh, Isaiah says, 
But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. James said it this way, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. I, I had a general in Desert Storm who was a brigadier, and he was a fierce warrior, twice wounded in Vietnam, silver star, purple heart, combat valor. He was in every way a Marine's Marine. But he was also a believer. And when he would come to my Bible studies, he would sit among privates and lance corporals and sergeants, and you couldn't tell the difference between him and them. They were all brothers in Christ uh, who were there to learn God's Word. So here's this fierce warrior with a humble, simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that, that uh, general would go on to become the commandant of the Marine Corps. And uh, one day, a bunch of his Marines had gotten in trouble and had made the news, and the chaplain came in to see him, and, and he looked at his chaplain, and he said, You know, chaplain, what my Marines need is Jesus. And now, he couldn't say that publicly, but he could say it to his chaplain. And the truth is, that's exactly what his Marines needed. They needed Jesus. Thirdly, his faith was not only unassuming, his faith was understanding. Verse 8 and 9, But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth. And to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. This man did not have blind faith. The Scriptures tell us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is not something that we conjure up. Rather, true faith is based on facts. And the Bible is the facts upon which our faith is based. And faith that is based on facts is evidence. It is a substantiation of that which cannot be, cannot be seen. This soldier understood his own chain of command. He spoke with the authority of Rome. But he also understood the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. He spoke with the authority of God. This man was under authority and he didn't have to be present for his orders to be carried out. He understood the power of Jesus' words. He's in his presence and he calls him Lord, for he realizes that he's in the presence of someone greater than himself, greater than the chain of command in which he serves. He knew that Jesus could do what seemed to be impossible without even being present, and that he could do it by just speaking the words. You know, my friends, uh, when Jesus speaks, things happen. He spoke in Matthew, 28, Matthew 8, 26. He rebuked the winds and the sea, and they became calm. In Matthew 8, 32, he spoke. He said, go, and a legion of demons left their captives and fled into the swine. In Matthew 9, 4, he spoke, your sins are forgiven. Get up and walk. And he who was lame got up and walked. In Matthew 9, 20, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has healed you. And the 12-year affliction was immediately gone. In Matthew 9, 27, he said, According to your faith be it done unto you, and two blind men received their sight. In John eleven forty three, he spoke, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had been dead four days came back to life. Do you understand this morning what happens when Jesus speaks? 
This soldier clearly did. He knew that Jesus was in command. You know, my friends, truth will always triumph because our commander, the Lord of all, has spoken. He has spoken. We must understand it and believe it. You are blessed to be taught the Word of God week after week from behind this pulpit. I submit to you, I encourage you, embrace what Jesus says, and the truth will triumph through your lives. You know, soldiers make great followers of Jesus Christ. I think of two in particular, Jacob DeShazer and Mitsuo Fuchida. Jacob DeShazer was an airman in the Army Air Corps in World War II. He hated the Japanese. When they bombed Pearl Harbor, he just wanted to kill as many Japs as soon as he could. So he volunteered to become one of Doolittle's raiders. He flew his bombing raid over uh, Japan and he dropped his bombs, the first one to actually bomb enemy territory. And he was captured and cruelly treated uh, in a Japanese prisoner of war camp for years. Uh, He became even more bitter and hateful of the Japanese. But a Bible began circulating in the camp, and he got it for one week. He read the whole Bible through in one week, and he memorized many passages. And through the scriptures, he came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. And even his guards could see the difference that took place in his life. The war ended. He survived. He went back to the United States, went to Bible College in Washington, and then went back to Japan as a missionary to reach them with the gospel. The people he had aforetime hated, he now loved them in Jesus Christ. Mitsuo Fuchida hated America. He led the attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. Bitter at the end of the war, at his country's surrender, at the cost of so many pilots he had led, somebody shoved a track from DeShazer in his pocket at a train station. And he reached in his pocket to take it out and throw it away, and he looked at it, and he saw Doolittle's Raiders on it. And even he, the arch enemy of the United States, recognized the courage and valor of Doolittle and his men in flying their one-way mission. So he read the gospel track, and the Holy Spirit spoke to him. He went home that night, Someone had given him a New Testament in Japanese, and he read the New Testament, and he trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. So two disillusioned, bitter men somehow survive the wounds of uh, of a horrendous war, and they find peace in Jesus Christ. And the one comes to Christ as a result of a track written about his part in Doolittle's raid on Japan. The first man to bomb what would become the United States, Hawaii, meets the first man who bombed the country of Japan. Now, you think about that. That's a God thing. That's a God thing. They both came to understand their heart's need in Jesus Christ, and both came to faith in Christ as they read the Word of God. They did not have blind faith, and they went on to serve a new commander with even more faithful faithfulness than they served their country. Uh, fourthly, this centurion's faith was unrivaled. Look at verse 10. When Jesus heard it, they, he marveled and said to them, 
that follow. Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. At the end of chapter 7, the crowd is amazed at the teaching of Jesus. But here, Jesus marvels at the faith of this centurion soldier. You know, Jesus first commended his faith. I have not found such great faith. I wonder this morning, does Jesus marvel at your faith? Secondly, he compared his faith. Many will come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. This centurion's faith is a foretaste of the faith of many that would come. Brothers and sisters, his faith is a foretaste of our faith, for we are Gentiles. This text is talking about us today. He is, he is a foretaste of what is yet to come. Uh, he not only commended his faith and compared his faith, but he also contrasted his faith. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, this Greek word for marvel is only used three times of Jesus. It's used here and in Luke, but it's used one other time in Mark 6.6. And it's used at the unbelief of those in his hometown. That text says, Only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house, he is, uh, is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there. And then the text says, And he was amazed at their lack of faith. That's the same word. So in, in our text today, he's amazed at the centurion's faith. And then, he's, and then he's got the same word for his own family and friends in town. He's amazed at their lack of faith. You know, um, I wonder today, does Jesus marvel at your great faith? Or does he marvel at your lack of faith? Which is it, brother or sister? Um, Praise God, the brothers and sisters of Jesus would come to believe later on, and James and Jude would be used to pen two New Testament books. But the truth here is, this Gentile soldier's faith shamed the Jews who should have known better. You can't please God without faith. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So does Jesus marvel at your faith, or does he marvel at your lack of faith? And then finally, we see in this text that this centurion's faith did not go unrewarded. Verse 13, And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Now, this is not a name it, claim it text, as some would say, but it does show how our personal faith impacts other people. Do you realize that today? Mom, Dad... Whether you have faith, grandma, grandpa, whether you have faith 
your kids and grandkids either see your faith or they see your lack of faith. And your faith has the potential to make a great impact on their lives. It was not the servant's faith that healed him. It was his master's faith that brought healing to this this servant. So think about how our faith impacts others or about how it ought to impact others. I want to tell you, I want to work for a guy like this because I I want the blessings of his faith to roll down on me. Don't you? Uh, But not just that, brothers and sisters. We need to have that kind of faith so that our families, our children, our grandchildren, the place where we work, they look at us, they see our faith in the one we love, and they're blessed because of our faith. Our faith impacts others. You know, I just would say this man was healed because of the faith of the one he served. And uh, godly leadership in the military is a true blessing even to those who do not believe. They don't realize how blessed they are to have somebody who's a godly leader. I shared earlier uh, in the Sunday school hour that I prayed for seven months that God would give us an opportunity to share the gospel with the Afghans at Camp Leatherneck while on, my, while on my last deployment. For seven months I prayed, and, and God opened that opportunity through the choir that we had in our chapel. And my general said, uh, Chaplain Brown, I want, you to, I want to have a cultural exchange with the Afghans, and I want you to share the gospel with them, uh, 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 share the meaning of Christmas with them, and have the choir sing. And uh, there were, General Order Number 1 prohibited proselytization, and so I had to, I had to get a correction from him and, and so we, we sang Christmas carols to 50 senior Afghan leaders in Helmand province. And then I shared with them the significance of Christ coming into this world. And I got the opportunity I prayed for uh, to witness to, to, to 50 Muslims that very night. You know, I just want to say, my general's faith blessed me. He stuck his neck out to do that. His faith blessed me. And, 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 and you know, brothers and sisters, our faith has impact on those we love and serve. At Kadesh Barnea, 12 spies heard the Lord's words. The land is yours. I'm going to give it to you. Go in and search it. Ten of them came back not believing it could be done. And their lack of faith impacted the whole generation for 40 years. They all died except for Joshua and Caleb. My friends, our world, our children, need to see our faith in what Jesus has said, even though he is not physically with us today. Note the centurion's servant was the one that was healed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We began this journey by faith, and we must continue it by faith. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me 
and gave himself for me. I love this soldier. He's the kind of leader I want to follow. He's the kind of leader I need to be. He with Cornelius are the kinds of leaders we need to have in our military and in the other restricted access institutions where our chaplains serve. His fellow soldiers were blessed to serve with him even if they didn't always understand what he believed. This is the vineyard where our AGC chaplains labor today, even as we gather here. And I thank God for every one of them. If there's ever a model for godly leadership and development, it's right here in this chapter, in this life, and in Acts chapter 10. His faith was unusual. His faith was unassuming. His faith was understanding. His faith was unrivaled. And his faith did not go unrewarded. So, you know, I don't have all of the answers for all of the dysfunction in our day. I can't explain it all to you. But I can tell you that God's plan for the ages will not be stopped. History is His story. And it's the story of redemption. All of human history is our great God calling unto Himself a people through faith in Jesus Christ by grace. And God's mission will not be thwarted. It will happen just as He has commanded. He is coming again, and He still is in charge. So what's the need of the day? What, what's your need this morning as we look at this text? I'll, I'll just say it this way. It's authentic faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So I wonder this morning, do you have that kind of faith? I'm not asking if you've trusted Jesus uh, Though if you haven't, you need to. What I'm asking, Christian, is how great is your faith? If, if the Lord were to look at you, would he marvel at your faith? Even though you can't explain what's going on around you, are you still trusting him in all of the hardships and difficulties that have come into your life? That's the need of the day. As you trust him and others watch you trust him, they will be drawn to the Lord you love as they see your faith in the one who has saved you in the shedding of his blood for you. May we bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this soldier, for his example. Thank you for his faith, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for for putting this example in the scriptures. This soldier's faith is a foretaste of ours. And Lord, as we try to figure out all the crazy things that are going on in our world, we're just not going to be able to do it. It's moving too fast. The changes are happening too quickly. But they're not happening too quickly for you. You know exactly what's going on. And you are still in control. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us to just trust you in the midst of all of the dysfunction. May our faith be great. May it be like the soldier's faith in this passage. Lord, I pray especially today if there's someone here who does not know you, I pray that they might come to trust Christ today and realize their need of salvation. But for the rest of us, Lord, help us to be encouraged by the faith of this soldier. And Lord, 
May we truly long for the day when we will hear from you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor.